Thank you for listening to the Convergence House of Prayer podcast. Please enjoy this message by Pastor Greg Seamus. Good to see you guys this morning. Yeah, good to see the world changers. Good to see the revivalists. Good to see the world changers. Good to see the revivalists. Good to see those who are totally equipped and anointed by the Holy Spirit. Turn to the person next to you and say, that's you. That's you. You know, for too long, for too long, we've, uh, there's been the great divide, which is the division between the pulpit and the pew. And I never see that in the New Testament. In fact, I never see that actually in the Bible, but especially in the New Testament, because we're a royal priesthood, aren't we? A holy nation, right? So I'll just say it again. You're just as anointed as I am, even more, probably way more so than me, and that you are a minister of the gospel. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's really, really true. You can use it really twice, actually, if you want. It's really, really true. And so it's always, it's always a joy for me to come up and just share my heart with you. Today is going to be, I call it a combo. It's like a, you ever get a combo pizza? Don't think about that right now, but, you know? And so, um, or you get, a, you get a combo something at a, at a restaurant. That, that's the menu today is, is combo. And, and so there's, a, just, there's just several things I just want to talk to you about. And they're kind of spanning over different you know, I'll tie it in. I'll figure out how to land the plane at the very end. But um, so I just want to say, first of all, we had some great services the last couple of weeks. And how many of you guys were here with us last week when we had Ken? So that was really good. And yeah, you guys can clap. That's fine. The Holy Spirit came, power came, and anointing came. And how many of you guys were refreshed? And yeah, that's good. And then the week before that, we had Brian. So Brian from. Uh, Thailand. That's right. Thailand. And so uh, even though he's, he's a European dude, you know, he ministered. I'm still wrestling with God. On, I really want to see wood fall and, 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 and come down in stacks. That's really, that's really amazing. And we had lunch with him and he said it really did happen. So um, I just wanted to assure you guys that I, I just love those crazy, crazy testimonies of what God does. And let me just say, heaven, heaven is not, you know, uh, I don't think the angels said that's crazy because they're, they're with the Lord. And, you know, miracles are happening every moment all over the world. And we are living in revival times. We are living in times where the, the Spirit of God is being poured out over all the earth. You know, it reminds me of when we were in Hernhut, we were, there's a researcher that was there. His name was George Otis. And George Otis, I don't know how many people are familiar with George. He does a lot of transformation videos. And, and he's, a, he's, a, he's a documenter, you know, he's a researcher. And so uh, he's like a George Barna, you know, of revival. And so he said that there has been uh, a 1,000 moves of God in church history, and 800 are active right now.
Let me just repeat that again. So he's, they have discovered that there, is been, there, is, there has been over 1,000, let's just call them revival movements or moves of God, and right now on the earth, presently, there's 800. So that tells me something. You know, I love the research dudes because they're, you know, they're crossing their T's and dotting the I's and they're doing all the research and all the numbers and they're documenting these things. To me, I'm, I'm extremely encouraged. That gives me hope, right? And I'm, I pray that it gives, it gives you hope as well. We're living in amazing days and God is, God is moving on the earth and he's moving through you. And so um, I'm encouraged by that. Okay, so... Last three weeks have been great. We had generations, and I, I just feel like I'm just trying to get reacclimated by standing up here. You know, it's been three weeks. That's been a long time for me to be. I was looking at my calendar. Oh, my. But I didn't want to pass up Brian, you know, and I didn't want to pass up Ken, you know. Like, these guys are coming from uh, other nations of the world, and they're encouraging us with what God's doing. And I feel like that strengthens the body. That strengthens, that strengthens me. When I, get a, when, I get a, when I get outside of myself, my bubble, and I, and I see beyond what God is doing in the nations of the world, I'm, I'm encouraged or fired up. You know, I'll just use that word, fired up. Is that all right? And so I just want to recap a few things, and I want to I land in Matthew 16. So you could, take your, uh, you could take your digital Bibles and your paper Bibles and land in Matthew 16. Um. We had a wonderful time in Philadelphia. Uh, some people are asking me, many people are asking me what happened in Philadelphia, and I don't have time to really, I, can, I only have like a few minutes to tell you about it. We had the opportunity to travel to Philadelphia, be a conference, and Philadelphia is what they call the seat of the nation. And it was actually, I did not know this, and I'm in my 50s, so forgive me, but I did not know that the actual government of the United States started in Philadelphia, and then, then wound up in D.C., so... So really, Philadelphia was, the, was, the, was, the, was the, the governmental beginnings of the United States of America. And so we actually went to the building where they, you know, they did the declaration, signed the Declaration of Independence and the U.S. Constitution. And, you know, we saw the Liberty Bell, you know, did our little tours. Uh, but it was, it's, it was amazing uh, in the context of, of preaching uh, in Philadelphia and actually preaching in inner city Philadelphia where we have a largely uh, African-American community to actually be preaching, prophetically preaching ecclesia, which is governmental. And so we're, we're preaching government, kingdom government, right? We're preaching the kingdom, the government of God in the city that was the actual birthplace of the government uh, of our country. So I felt like that was super, super prophetic. And I'm just kind of, you know, when you, when you start sensing things, you just kind of just, you, you put it there, you look at it, and you see what happens. You just kind of keep your eye on it. That's kind of what I do. And then uh, in August, when we had to go to, chance to go to Hernhut, Germany, and there is the, that is called the actual hidden seed. And if you're not familiar with Hernhut, uh, Germany, that was actually the birthplace of the 150-year prayer movement, nonstop, 24-7 prayer movement, and the, the greatest missions thrust the world has ever known, coming out of a, of a community of 220 people. And in, 80, in 83, I think, were children. And from that movement, 
1700, from that beginnings, the nations of the world uh, have been touched. And every single revival, every single revival, including Azusa, et cetera, the healing revivals, all have a Moravian or Hernhut imprint in them where God has used that as a seed. And so for us to have the privilege of sharing uh, Ecclesia in that community was extremely prophetic for me. And I, I just don't know how that's going to unfold. I just feel like we're standing on the soil of the greatest prayer and missions movement uh, in church history, and we have this opportunity to release the government of God there. And so that was, that was uh, an, an amazing thing. So, so <clears throat> one testimony coming out of Philadelphia, and there were many, but one testimony coming out of Philadelphia was uh, when we preached, when we preached Ecclesia, which, you know what, I, I was looking back and I was like, man, we have not really gave the foundation message for over a year here at Convergence House of Prayer. How many of you guys were here when we gave that foundation? You just remember it. Barely you remember it, okay? So put your hand out. I just want to see. That means that, oh, my goodness, we got to preach this again. So maybe next Sunday we'll just go for it, you know, and I'll just hit Matthew 16, and we'll just really, really go after this thing uh, next week so you guys can all be on the same page. So thank you for your bravery to, to just land here and be part of the adventure of what God's doing uh, in and through Convergence House of Prayer. So anyway... We were there and we preached Ecclesia, same thing. What we're seeing in Germany, what we saw in Philadelphia was that people were so moved by the message that they, I don't know, I don't know how else to explain it except to say it exploded in them, right? I don't know. Do you guys know what that means? Can you guys relate to that? Just the, just, there's an explosion of revelation that actually hits them and it's not because of anything I've said, it's what the Holy Spirit's doing. And so the Holy Spirit is doing it, and there's this, there's this impact, there's this explosion of revelation to where your heart says yes to it, but your mind is trying to catch up. So it's kind of like, yes, 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 yes. I don't know how that works. I don't know how to apply it. All I know is that it's true. And that's how revelation, does, at least that's how revelation hits me. I get something from the Lord. I don't know how to apply it yet. I just know it's from the Lord. And I feel like that's what's happening. And so the next day, Wendy and I were there, and the, 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 uh, the House of Prayer director in Hernhut, Germany, which I think is very, very prophetic, I think her name is Cindy, she came up to me, and she, she came up to Wendy and I, and she looked at us, and she goes, I am totally messed up right now. You know, like, I'm totally, ever been messed up by God? Like, you're just totally messed up. So... So she came up to us and she goes, I'm totally messed up right now. I don't know what to do. Would you please help me with the, with the prayer room in Hernhut, Germany? And I just feel like, I feel like this is what the Lord's doing. He's messing up a bunch of people, a bunch of leaders, and we're trying to figure out what the Lord's doing, but it's all good. It's all good in terms of what he's doing. And it thrills me that I had a chance to at least answer a few of her questions. You know, because we had lunch, and we, so we answered a few of, of her questions, and we're all trying to just get the Lord's heart and will around what, uh, what is he doing and how do we apply it. So I just want to say thank you, thank you for your prayers for us while we were there. And we have an invitation in November to go to Manila, Philippines. And uh, so that's on the docket on the calendar, so we'll be gone for a week. Wendy and I will be gone for a week, 
And the guy that was in Germany says, you have to bring Ecclesia to the Philippines. And so we're jumping on a plane November 7th. We're going to join a, uh, another. Uh, we're going to be partnering with one of the couples that helped pioneer the house of prayer in Kansas City. And so we're seeing prophetically this Ecclesia house of prayer reality coming to the Philippines uh, next month. So if you can just be with us uh, in prayer, that would be amazing. Uh, as we go ahead and as these doors open up, the Lord is allowing us to preach the message. So they want, us to, they want me to speak five times. So I said, okay, I'll, when we stay on Ecclesia all five times. I'm like, sure, I would love to do that. I have one long message, man. It's about four or five hundred hours. And it's, it's revival and intimacy and Ecclesia and all those kinds of things. So, so God, is, uh, God is doing some neat things. Let me catch up on a few other things. Um, we were just at our Transform Our World conference. How many just put your hand up real quick if you were there? All right, a lot of you. Uh, so we're at our Transform Our World. We had the best people serving ever at the Transform Our World conference. In the 27 years there, there's nobody, there's been not a group of people except for, for Convergence House of Prayer who were so anointed in serving, serving people. Yeah, they were like, they were selling books. They were amazing. So um, I just do that because I'm a little, you know, proud in a good way, right? So, um, but I just want you to know that I just, I'm trying my, I'm trying not my hardest, but I'm trying to convey to you how, uh, where this is all going. And so we had Bill Johnson there, if you guys know Bill. We had John Arnott there, if you guys know John. So, you know, John represents the Toronto Blessing, which actually took place in Toronto in 1994. And it's actually still going on. That wave is still, still continuing. And of course, you guys know Bill. Bill, they've been in revival for so many years up at Bethel Reading. And then a number of other international people coming from all over the world to join us for those three or four days that we were there in San Jose, California. And sometimes when it's in your own backyard, for some reason, we don't take notice of the weightiness of it because it's in our backyard, but I, which is beautiful for me because I could just drive and commute and don't have to sp- spend money for a hotel and I'll eat wherever I... Anyway, so... Um, but I just want you guys to know that, that the name of the conference, the name of this international conference is called Ecclesia Rising. And... And so there's, there's major, God is using uh, fathers to come into that conference to actually release a, de- a deposit of this thing called the Ecclesia and what he's doing. And one of the things that, you know, and you guys know, you know, that we're close to people up in Reading. One of the things that, that Bill said was um, that, that there are pieces here that we need. And I want to sow into this, this movement because we need some of the pieces that are actually in this movement up, in, up at Bethel Reading. So I'm just, I'm just, there's a partnership, there's a co-laboring, there's a coming together, there's a rally point, there's a cry going up to heaven, there's, there's a release of power, there's, there's miracles taking place, there's ministries, there's nations being saved. And I just want you to embrace that and sometimes, <clears throat> sometimes all we can see is beyond our own circumstances, you know? And so we're concerned about our life, we're concerned about, and, there's, and that's right and that's just, but I want you to get your eyes up a little bit like Jesus says and look at the fields, right? 
because they're not only ripe for harvest, God's doing something amazing in the earth. And I just want you to get excited about being a part of that reality. And so, and, and, and I, I want to call you up as world changers. I didn't say that lightly as revivalists and people who are anointed and carry, carry the presence of the Lord wherever you go. And this is how, you know, this is my heart is I'm born for, I'm born for nations. I'm born for cities being saved. I'm born for those kinds of things. Those are the things that stir my heart. And so I just want you, and I feel like if, if you're part of this house, I want that to stir your heart, you know. If, we have, if, we're, if, we're, if we're apostolic, then you're apostolic, you know, that we all kind of come under that umbrella that we're actually people who can actually change atmospheres and reach cities. And, you know, I know that's huge, you know, but I'm ta- and it starts in the home, right? So we're, we're jumping back in the ecclesia in the home and really going after that because that's where it all begins. So I wanted to convey that over to you to kind of catch you up on like what God's doing. And I want you to, I want you to, I want you to get a little excited, okay? So just turn to the person next to you and say, just, just make a confession. I'm excited. <laughs> okay. Woo. All right. <clears throat> so what we're going to do is that we want to engage more and more of you in that process. You know, I'd love to go to the Philippines and bring our healing ministry teams and bring our prophetic teams and like just really as this thing begins to open up, man, I just want to engage more and more of this family uh, with us as we go. And so not some isolated thing, but have you guys jump in. And be a part of what the Lord's doing. I don't know if there are those who like to travel. You know, I, I, tend, to be a, I tend to be a home person. Like, I tend to be a homebody. I tend to be, the Lord has to push me out the door, you know. And so that's just my, my you know, when I think about traveling and going to airports and going through TSAs and, uh, you know, everything else, you know. And so getting there is just, you know, a little, I, I'd just rather be here. So, um, but I'm open to what the Lord's doing, so just keep us in prayer. Okay, so turn to Matthew chapter 16, and I just want to touch on and actually four things in the next 15 minutes. <laughs> so four things in the next few minutes. Now, I do want to say that this, the Passion Translation has come out in the New Testament, Psalms, Proverbs, and the Song of Songs. And so uh, if you want to, I don't, know if, I don't know if Amazon sells it or I know Bethel Church in Reading sells it. Just want to encourage you. So this is my, this might be my new go-to Bible. Um, and so just uh, how many of you guys have heard of Passion Translation? Do you guys? Okay, good, good. Well, check it out. Check it out online. And just want to let you know these are 50 bucks. I know that's a lot, but, and it's not really, I get Bibles that have genuine, genuine leather all the way around. That's, my, that's what I always do, but this doesn't. But it's the only one that was available. I snapped it up, picked it up at the conference. And so um, just want to encourage you with that. So let me go ahead, read Matthew 16, and uh, let's begin at verse 13. And then I just want to chat with you. When Jesus came to Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples this question. What are the people saying about me, the son of man? Who do they say I am? And the answer is some are convinced you are John the baptizer. Others say you are Elijah reincarnated or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But you, who do you say that I am? Jesus asked. And Simon Peter spoke up and said, you are the anointed one, the son of the living God. You are the Christ. 
the anointed one. Jesus replied, you are favored and privileged, Simon, son of Jonah, for you didn't discover this on your own, but my Father in heaven has supernaturally revealed it to you. I give you the name Peter, a stone, and this, and this, let me turn the page, truth of what I am will be the bedrock foundation of which I will build my church, hyphen, my legislative assembly, and the power of death will not be able to overpower it. I will give you the keys of heaven's kingdom realm to forbid on earth that which is forbidden in heaven and to release on earth that which is released in heaven. And then he gave his disciples strict orders not to tell anyone that he was God's anointed one. So next week what we'll do, I just want to encourage you guys next week just to make sure you're here next week because I will lay this, this whole foundation down next week. And I think it will be very beneficial in the context of what Jesus is saying. <clears throat> here what's important to, to understand is that Jesus did not say... Um, Upon this rock, I'll build my church. He used the word ecclesia. That's the reason why we, we kind of harp on that a little bit because it's super important because if you have, if you have two different words, you're going to have generally two different meanings. And so we want to make sure that we're building exactly what Jesus wants to build. In other words, I'm not, I don't want to build something that he's not building. And I'll say this, only Jesus builds an ecclesia. So we got confused way back in the 1500s about what that word meant. And so the word ecclesia was actually, the word church was actually substituted and brought in to the English Bibles when the printing press was done and King James came out. I love, you know, don't get mad at me. You know, so when King James came out, the King James version of the Bible came out and they used the word uh, church in there. And so for a number of reasons, which I'll talk to you guys about next week, What's happened is that one of the things that's happened is that the, the, the church or the ecclesia has lost its, lost its apostolic uh, f- power. It's become, you know, churches have now become very much more pastoral than apostolic. And I'm convinced that the Lord has never, though pastoral ministry is involved in the local church, in the local ecclesia, that's true. But the primary focus of an ecclesia is to be apostolic. Apostolic means the, the word Apostle was actually a person who, would, who led a fleet of ships into un, unchartered territories. And they would actually go and colonize that area so that that area looks like the, like the land or the government it came from. So when Jesus said in Matthew 4, 17, he says, um, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, Jesus brought with him, according to Isaiah 9, 6, a government because it says a government will be on his shoulders. And so Jesus did not bring a religion. He brought a government. The government is called the kingdom of God. And so Jesus was the first example of a living ecclesia. In other words, where he went, signs, wonders, and miracles were released. The power of God was released. People who were crippled were made whole. People who were blind, they could see. Ears that were stopped up and they were deaf. They, they were opened by the power of God. It is, it is our birthright, but at the same time, signs and wonders actually demonstrate the full love of God. And so because we have, because we have turned ourselves, oh boy, because, Greg, 
Because we have turned ourselves into, because of the, the word that's been released over the last four or 500 years, we have actually become much more uh, pastoral in that context, and we've actually tried to do away with the gifts of the Spirit. So we have these things working on us because they say that's a, that's a cessationist background, which simply says that when the Bible was canonized in about 350 AD, then there was no need for signs and wonders, which is the greatest lie from the pit of hell. And so, and so we have this going on. You have the, what's taking place, which I'll again explain next week, take this taking place here, but the true ecclesy of God is manifested in the life of Jesus. And Jesus came not only to teach well, right, because he, he taught with authority, he taught truth that we're still talking about even today, but he also came in power. He came in demonstration. And we've never, we're never supposed, we were never supposed to separate the teaching ministry and the healing ministry of Jesus. In fact, you'll read in Scripture that Jesus always taught in such a way that he actually did and teach. You'll see in, in, the, in the Gospels where he says he, he did and then he taught. In our, in our country, you want to teach before we do. With Jesus, he did before he taught. So a, signs, a miracle would take place and he would teach from it. A healing would take place and he would teach from it. So, so we, what we've done is we've grown comfortable, and this is, this, is to, this is a challenge for me personally, we've grown comfortable with a teaching platform and, not, and we've grown uncomfortable with moving in power. Now, the last 30 years, last, actually the last 60 or 70 years, that's changing, thank God, right? So we're actually, and as people that are sitting in the chairs like you guys are, that you guys, your hands are anointed for healing, that you guys carry the, and you guys possess the Holy Spirit. Our children possess the Holy Spirit. There is no junior Holy Spirit. And so, so we have to, we, God is re-engaging the ecclesia to actually move in this thing called a demonstration of power. And we can't, we can't forsake one to have the other. We're, we're, we actually embrace both. So Jesus did not come to bring a religion. He actually came to bring a kingdom. And that kingdom is a kingdom that's filled with power and anointing to destroy the works of the devil and see people free. Amen. And so you are, you are carriers of that. And this is why the gospel is called good news. That's what it means. The gospel is not bad news. The gospel is good news. So why don't you go ahead and just say, the gospel is good news. I want you to get that out of your mouth. It's good news. So you know what? If you have good news for your colleagues, go ahead and share the good news. That is the gospel. The media will try and shut it down, say it's bad news, try and shut down our, our, our faith and, you know, with the crunch of the government. No, no, this is good news. And what we have to share with people is good news. It's better news when it comes with power. It's the demonstration of power by the work of the Holy Spirit. So we see in this, in this context that Jesus is talking about that we are the ecclesia of God. Now, let me, let me just take it a step further and to say that when he says that we're the ecclesia, ecclesia of God, that is our functional identity. Our relational identity is sons and daughters. Our relational identity is the bride. We're connected vertically with the Lord in that context, right? Say amen to that. Amen. Yeah, so we're not, we're not slaves. We're not, you know, all that kind of, that all has been broken. Now we're sons and daughters of the living God we are part of a royal family, and he wants to release a royal kingdom on the earth. 
whole idea is the will of God is that heaven would come down to earth. And so that's why it's, that's why it's important that we become more heavenly-minded than more earthly-minded. And I don't agree with that statement, you're too heavenly-minded for no earthly good. The problem is that we don't know what heaven looks like, so we don't know what to bring into the earth. Right? So we have to, we have to, capture, we have to capture what heaven looks like so we can actually bring it. So if we're going to bind and loose, we better know what's up in heaven so we can release it on the earth, right? It's because of our ignorance of not knowing what's up in heaven, we, we're fearful of binding and loosing. We don't, we don't even understand what that means. Me too. You know, so I, had, I was talking with somebody in uh, Philadelphia, and I was saying, you know what, we need four or five more messages on the ecclesia. We've got to talk about the gates of Hades. We've got to talk about binding and loosing. We've got to talk about the keys of the kingdom, because that's the prescription that Jesus lays out in Matthew 16. So we better understand that if we're going to become the uh, ecclesia of God, like fall into our identity. And he says, what's binding and loosing? And I was like, that's a, that's a good question. And I said, I said, you know, I was honestly, I'm being very transparent. I tried to explain to this leader what binding and loosening was, which I know was okay. I did an okay job, but I was frustrated because I was like, where's my notes? I need to go back to my notes and refresh myself on these notes, you know? So that night I went back to the hotel and I grabbed my iPad and I was looking at it. I go, okay, why didn't I just say that? That's so simple, you know? So I just, uh, so it's such a, such a weird concept in our culture, but it's very, very practical. And so, um, so whole idea of binding and loosing, ecclesia, where was I at? Ecclesia, power, demonstration. Okay, so, so it is our functional identity. It's, it's our, you can call it our mandate identity. We're, we're, we're in, the, in the New Testament, the word ecclesia is used 115 times. So every time you see church, in your Bible, the word is not the Lord's house, because that's what it means. Church means Lord's house if, in, the, in, the, in the Greek. But if you, if you look it up in the dictionary, church means a building. So a place where you go to church, an address. So, so we, we build churches. Our church is located at 200 Hammond Avenue. And Jesus says, I will build my church. And so we, we, we've, we're... In a lot of ways, the, I'll have to say it this way, the church is in an identity crisis. And until we blow the smoke away to find out what our true calling is and what's our functional identity, we're going to be lost and we're going to actually be building what's been defined. Listen, Jesus, another one of my little convictions is that Jesus did not bear the cross and the, the crown of thorns on his head and the 39 lashes on his back to actually uh, die for church buildings. So this is actually good news because we actually blow the smoke away and we find out what our true functional identity is, like what we're really supposed to do. And for me, that... If I understand what I'm really supposed to do and I have the Holy Spirit that's in me that's anointing it and I have all of heaven behind it, then that makes my role pretty adventurous, pretty exciting, pretty empowering because I'm actually doing exactly what Jesus told us to do, right? So that frees me 
that frees me to become, uh, I was going to say, all that we can be. Then I thought of an army, you know, so <laughs> be all you can be, right? It actually frees me to, my, to, to the place where, where my, my, I, my functional identity is actually um, being authentic and lived out. All right. <clears throat> Which is, brings me to my first point. And that is, so I was at, I had the privilege of being at this Transform Our World conference, and I had the privilege of having 10 minutes to share on a workshop that they did called Ecclesia and the Local Church. So there was a panel of four pastors, two, three, four, and uh, I was, so we all had 10 minutes. So, so the, the dude's one woman and two dudes, pastor dudes, stood up and, and, and they shared and they were talking about like these great things like outreach and, you know, they have a, they have a mascot at their church called Captain Kindness. And so I thought that that's a very innovative idea, like Captain Kindness, you know, da, 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 you know, and it works in Ontario, I guess, or wherever they're from. Another guy talked about this amazing thing that's taking place uh, in Minnesota, just some really cool stuff. And so, so I was sitting there, and they asked me to come up. So I, I came up, and I said, you know, in Matthew 16, it says this, and I just spent, I just shared my journey. I just shared my journey with Ecclesia and what it means. And I felt like, I felt like the Lord just really... Um, was really speaking to me even after that short little talk that I had. One pastor came up to me and he said, I, I, can I spend some time with you? Because I, this thing is exploding inside of him, but he doesn't, know how, he doesn't know what to do with it. He knows it's right, but how do I break through the church culture with an ecclesia culture? Amen. And so... What I, what I felt like the Lord was impressing upon me is that Ecclesia is not another outreach program. Ecclesia, so I'm thinking about these, you know, I think there was like 200 people in the room. So I'm, I'm thinking about like all these pastors that are in the room thinking that if I just met the mayor, I'm the Ecclesia. Or if I just if we just if we just did some outreach in our city, we become the ecclesia. The truth is, is the ecclesia is who you are. And and so so the the thing that was in my mind is we are, so we do. We don't do to become something. What's important is that we have to understand that. Ecclesia is part of our identity. When Jesus said, upon that statement, Christ, you're the Christ, I will build my ecclesia. And so from that vantage point of who we are, we are Christ's ecclesia, we actually do. And it's so important for us because I, I wanted to kind of hammer this home briefly to you is that you are the ecclesia, and out of, that, out of that connection of your functional identity of who you are, you actually do. So as an ecclesia, we pray. 
as an ecclesia, we do, we share our faith as, as often as we feel like the Holy Spirit's prompting us to. As the ecclesia, it's not another church program that we actually lay out. And the temptation is, after four or 500 years, we want to program the ecclesia. So if we do more city, you know, car washes, if we do more, you know, non, you know, uh, we do more, uh, we help the poor, we help that actually, when I do four or five of these things, I'm actually, be, I've actually become the ecclesia. No, no, that's not true. You are the ecclesia, so you go ahead and you feed the poor. You are the ecclesia, so you raise up money to help fire victims. You are the ecclesia, and you, you share your faith. You are the ecclesia, so you see someone in the wheelchair, you lay hands on, you believe God for signs and wonders and miracles. You are the ecclesia, and out of who you are, you do. Instead of trying to reach and trying to do all these things to become, and that's the problem. The problem is, is that we were so programmed out, and so we have all, oh boy, we have all these pastors who are so stressed out to go ahead and launch as many programs as they can so they can get people to come to the church. And so we measure our success by attendance. The ecclesia measures their success by influence. And so how are we influencing the city? How are lives changing? How many people are we, are we actually discipling nations? That's the, that's the, that's the finish line of an ecclesia. It's not how many people, now I, I'm so glad you're here today. I, I, I'm grateful that we gather. I think that's part of the corporate gathering is part of the ecclesia. But, it's, but what is it unto? And that's the, that's the question we have to ask ourselves. What's it unto? If, if, I have, if we have 1,000 people at Convergence House of Prayer, what's that unto? Is the measure we're successful because we have 1,000 people at Convergence House of Prayer and that's it? So let's keep the 1,000 you know, growing, let's keep them comfortable, like let's do all these things. And so, but that's not the measure because unto an ecclesia is actually discipling and baptizing nations. Does that, that make sense? More next week. (laughs) What I wanted to hit was that we, we are, so we do. We don't do to become. And I think that my cry was to all these, these pastors and ministry leaders that they want they wanted, they wanted do to become. And they miss the identity aspect of it because we want to program it. The identity is you are, and out of who you are, you do. That makes sense? Okay. I'm not saying, well, I won't even, I won't even go there. Second point, 1233. I have to really kind of move through this. Second point is this. It's super important as we become and function in our identity that we don't neglect intimacy with God. The house of prayer is still the house of prayer. Union with Jesus is so important. Connecting with the Father, encounters with God in our, in our quiet times with the Lord. So what I'm trying to avoid is that we are, so let's, do, let's go through the gates. Let's bust through the gates. Because that's what he says in Matthew 16. 
but we have to bust through those gates with a, a relational identity with the Lord. We have to be tight with God, if I can say that. You have to, it, the thing I said years and years ago, and I'll say it again, is that we, we assume intimacy at the expense of ministry. And so we assume that people are going tight, they're going deep with God, and, but, and then we focus so much on ministry, and what's happened is that we've actually, there's so many people who have fallen morally because the intimacy with God is not there, but we don't champion the intimacy, we're actually championing the ministry. And so a lot of, a lot of I'll just say churches are built around ministry and not around intimacy. That's why we put a prayer room in the center of the building. Because we want to champion intimacy with God and out of that, listen, if I have, if I, if, if I'm responsible to go share my faith with somebody, it's better to go filled up with the Holy Spirit so I can actually bring something to somebody. So to me, the life of Jesus was a life that was connected to the Father, and in between, he did ministry. I think Jesus had an amazing prayer life. I think he was heavenly, he was connected to heaven constantly, and from that point, he did ministry. So while the ecclesia, our functional identity is to go out and through those gates, we can't neglect our relational identity, if I can use that word, as sons and daughters. That's as simple as the first and the second commandment. Love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That doesn't go away. And then love your neighbor as yourself. So what's important with an ecclesia uh, message is an intimacy message at the very same time. Because we are humans. And so what we do is we want to say, okay, that's where it's going. So we're going to do all this stuff and we forget something else over here. And so it's important that we maintain, I mean, we started this in 2007. My house should be called a house of prayer for all nations. It's out of this, out of this intimate communion with God that we actually move with power and authority. And the danger of the prayer movement is that the prayer movement becomes so inward, it, doesn't, it, it, it ceases to become the ecclesia of God. It doesn't go through gates. Amen. I really want to go someplace, but I'm not going to go because it's 1236. I'll just say next week. Everything falls into this bucket next week. Next, the next week. Whatever, wherever it goes. Coming soon to a theater, to a place near you. All right. <laughs> Two other things. The, as we move in our functional identity, we have to keep, this is coming out of our intimacy with God, but it's really being a little bit more intentional with the fullness of the Spirit. We call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know what's amazing to me, and I, I, I actually shared this a couple weeks ago at the prophetic class, which was amazing. We had about 50 people in the prophetic class. Um, they, wanted me to, they wanted me to end the, the, the session with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which I thought was great. 
So I started thinking about that because they wanted me to do it, right? Let's get Pastor Greg to do it. So, so I was like, I'd be happy to do it. I'd be happy to share. So I went out and I, and I was thinking about this. And so I got up in front of the class and I said, and I'll say it to you. So if you're in the class, you hear it twice. That is, what would it be like to spend 15 minutes with Jesus in person? What would it be like to spend an hour with Jesus? I mean, what would you ask him? Maybe nothing. Please lay hands on me. You know? I mean, really, if you had an hour with Jesus in, in the flat, like, what, what would you, what would you, here he comes. What about a day? You had a whole day with Jesus. Would you just sit at his feet and say, teach me? What, what would Jesus want you to do, actually? That'd be, that's interesting. What about a week? What about a month? What about a year? What about three years? Three years. Three years, you, you know, the Bible says, the Bible doesn't even contain the miracles he did. Not even close. So all we have here is a glimpse of what he did in three years. And we categorize it. He did 17 miracles and 17 parables. And we, we have no clue. <laughs> Jesus was on a Holy Spirit rampage. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was destroying the works of the devil, right? He just, can you imagine, you know? Three years. Now, let me just ask you a question. Do you think that in those three years, with Jesus, seeing this, and then being part of his 12, and being part of the 72, being with Jesus, do you think that that would be enough to actually fulfill the Great Commission? Mark 16, Matthew 28, Great Commission is laid out. Do you think being with Jesus, not a week, not a month, not one year, not two years, but three years with the Lord, that that would be enough to fulfill going to all nations, baptizing and making disciples? The answer is it wasn't. Why? Because Jesus says, don't even leave Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. I must leave you, but the Spirit of God's going to come. You mean to tell me that three years with Jesus was, wasn't quite enough to actually fulfill the Great Commission? Nope. No. So he says in Acts 1... He says, you know, he lays out the commission. He says, the Holy Spirit's going to come and you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then he teaches them about what? In Acts 1, the kingdom of God. 
He didn't teach them about a religion. He taught them about a government. And then he says, Holy Spirit is going to come on you. And then in Acts 2, which everybody knows, there's more people in this room than there was in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 comes, pillar of fire comes, rests on them. They are baptized in the Holy Spirit with speaking in tongues. What's amazing to me is that the three years with Jesus wasn't enough. And we've made the Holy Spirit the smaller part of the Trinity. We've honored the Father and we give glory to the Son. And then there's the Holy Spirit. And I tell you, probably, with some certainty, <laughs> that that actually came through with this whole mistrans- mistranslation. So you see the power of God coming, fullness. Of, that's what happened last week when Ken God was here. People were, people were encountered by the Holy Spirit. That should, that should freak nobody out. But because that it's been absent, it freaks people out. Because we don't, we're not comfortable with what we don't understand. And heaven's understanding is a little different than my understanding. Or the Lord's understanding is a little bit different than my understanding. That's why I can't leave it to my, just to my logic, which I'm a logical dude. I can't leave it to just my logic because my logic is insufficient. Though God would never violate the word, he's bigger than the word. His thoughts are greater, says Isaiah 55. His ways are, different, ways are greater. Like when he does stuff, we have to be in a position to, to receive the fullness of the spirit and how it comes because we always measure that by fruitfulness. Are you guys All right. We cannot, I just want to encourage you on a daily basis. Here's something that's really practical. I'll talk about more about this. All right, so, <laughs> so, I was waiting for someone to do that. That's good. No, actually, it'll be several weeks. So, so I would ask you on a, when you're on your way home, simple as you're in the lobby, Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me. The Holy Spirit is not the little person in the Godhead. The Holy Spirit is co-equal with the Father and the Son. In Jesus, the Holy Spirit is God. He can be quenched and grieved. So when you're asking the Holy Spirit to fill you, you're asking for God to fill you. And that we have to move in this thing of receiving the fullness of the Spirit, right? And then we have to, we have to move in power to demonstrate the Spirit. The ecclesia doesn't cut the Holy Spirit off. The ecclesia realizes how vital the Holy Spirit is in their lives. So I want you to be open 
I mean, I, I know I'm singing to the choir here. I really do. You guys are all Holy Spirit, whatever, drinkers, you know? So you could tell by just, just by last week, you know? People are up here. They're just like, yeah, they're falling down. Glory to God, you know? They're, they're just out. They, they understand the fullness of the Spirit and why that's so important. So the ecclesia is so dependent on the fullness and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So much so that in Acts 19, just pieces of Paul's apron were cut off and sent to people, and they were healed. That hasn't happened to me yet. They just, they rushed to get next to Peter. Even his shadow would heal people. You know what? That's an invitation. That's an invitation for you and for me to go after that level of anointing. That is not isolated to some person. That's an invitation to jump into. Wouldn't it be awesome if you were just like, at work and you walked by somebody and they were healed? <laughs> like you didn't have to even share. You don't have to share your faith or you just walk by somebody or you just, you're at the water cooler, you just put your hand on them, how's it going, bro, and they're healed. It's an invitation to go deeper. This is an invitation for me. It's an invitation for me. It's called the renewing of our minds. Romans 12, 2. Or is it 12, 1? Anyway, 1 or 2. Can't quite remember which one. They all, you know, I read them together, 1 and 2. So that was my little combo today. But I'd like to have you stand. How many people this week will the Lord give you the opportunity to share your faith with? How many people are you, are you asking the Lord? God, set up some divine Holy Spirit ambushes. Set me up with some divine encounters with people who might not know you as Savior and Lord, who might need healing in their body, and I'm going to be faithful with just praying for them because that's what you told me to do. Here's the thing I always challenge myself with. If I knew that every single person I laid hands on would be healed, would I lay hands on people? That'd be dumb not to, right? Of course I would. But the Lord introduced this thing called faith. And that's what he champions. So this morning, I want us to embrace into a greater, I don't know, this, this functional identity as the ecclesia that's intimate with God and moves in power. 
And I want to call out of you your greatness. Not a greatness that's arrogant, but a greatness in God. And there's a huge difference between confidence and arrogance. And I want you to be confident in God. And embrace all that he has for you. Can I say this as we close? What I just talked about is locked into your spiritual DNA. And when we move in that, then it becomes an adventure, the adventure of a lifetime. When we don't, we become bored. And I hate being bored. In fact, if people are bored with God, it's not God's fault. It's their fault. So, Lord, I just pray that you would release a greater level of revelation and understanding of who we really are. And, Lord, that you've equipped us. Well, first of all, you purchased us and you redeemed us. And then you've equipped us with the power of the indwelling spirit, not just only inside of us, but on us. To actually change people's lives forever and bring them into their unique calling and destiny. Lord, I pray that today we just, take, we just go up another level, that the water rises a little higher. And I thank you for the testimonies that are being released all over this room. I hear them. Thank you, Lord, for those that are stepping out. Lord, life transformation that's taking place. Revelation that's happening. The prophetic being released. Signs and wonders that are, Lord, we're just asking you for more. We're asking you for a greater level of increase. We just want to come into who we really are as sons and daughters of the living God. So, Lord, may your word land on good ground, good soil. And, Lord, we're weak and we're frail, but we know you're strong and able. So we surrender and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come and hover over us and in us. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Come on. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more messages like this, please subscribe and thank you for listening.